0: Oh, oh, shine upon the darkness, oh, word of truth, shine bright. Abide with me forever, your law is my delight. Hey everyone, and welcome to Theana Money where we seek to help the good man leave an inheritance to his children's children. This is Jeremy, the host of Theana Money. This week on the podcast is a bit of a follow-up to last week's episode. If you didn't catch last week's episode, I would recommend you listen to it, but I don't think you have to listen to it first before you listen to this one. So, I recommend you still listen to it if you haven't but you can go ahead and finish this one and then listen to last week's episode after this. Last week we looked at student loan forgiveness and the plan to reduce many people's student loans by $10,000 or in some cases $20,000 as well as to uh, extend the delay on when the next payments are due for federal student loans. This week we are looking at some arguments that Christians have attempted to make in support of student loans. I've seen arguments such as these before but they are being made uh, much more frequently right now because of the announcement from the Biden administration. This is what a lot of people have been talking about for nearly a week and a half now since Wednesday the week before this episode dropped. So a few of those arguments that you might commonly see are one, uh, this one is the kind of simple general one. They say, you can't be against student loan forgiveness as a Christian because Christianity is all about how God forgives us. And honestly, a lot of the other arguments you see are more or less different ways of wording this same argument here. Another is that Jesus says in Matthew 6:12 in the Sermon on the Mount, in what is called the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Honestly, though, I'm with the people who think that the Lord's Prayer is a better term for Jesus' high priestly prayer in John 17, and that this should be called the Disciples' Prayer, since Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray here. But that aside, in this verse, Jesus gives us an example of how to pray to God the Father. He says, Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven, forgiven our debtors. The argument here is that we should forgive all monetary debts because that is what Jesus told us to do there. And that way, it is similar to the first argument, just with a verse taken out of context to pretend to have biblical support. Another way a similar argument gets worded is that President Biden forgives our debt, just like Jesus forgave our debt in the gospel. Another argument Uh, This one from Pastor Gabe Hughes. He said it on his podcast, WWUTT, when we understand the text last week. Uh, He read this from a tweet by a guy named Zach Hunt. And it says that apparently, if we believe the Bible and take it literally, but we're against student loans, we believe that the parts about a talking snake are literal, but the parts about forgiving debt are metaphorical. And there is also the 50 year jubilee the 50-year year year of jubilee some people claim that this teaches that debt should be forgiven and therefore not only should christians not be opposed to student loan forgiveness but we should actually support it and we should have been supporting it all along so this episode here will focus on the previous four arguments that related to the gospel and then have some practical application to our lives And next week, I plan to have an entire episode on properly understanding the Year of of Jubilee and why it does not support student loan forgiveness. But before we jump into all that, I just want to ask you all to, if you like the podcast and you haven't subscribed to it already on your favorite podcast catcher, to please do so. And also, please uh, tell your friends about the podcast and send them links to listen to it themselves if some of your friends are making some of the arguments I'm responding to in this episode, then send this episode to them. And uh, maybe it will help them see that those arguments are not accurate. So the issue with each of the arguments we are looking at this week is that they all rely on category errors. God's forgiveness of our sin is not equivalent to forgiving financial debts. Now, if I just say that and stop there... I am not doing any better, from a logical standpoint, than those saying that God's forgiveness of our sins is equivalent to forgiving financial debts. Since our statements are contradictory, one of us saying that the two are equivalent, the other saying they are not, both can't be accurate. So we should go to the scriptures to see which of us is wrong. Uh, Let's make a kind of rough syllogism here in order to define the terms of the disagreement better and make it easier to evaluate. So their argument goes that a, God forgives our debt to him and B student loan cancellation forgives the former's debt to his or her creditor and therefore C student loan forgiveness is good because it reflects God's forgiveness of our sins in the gospel. Now, that isn't a perfect syllogism of A equals B and B equals C, so therefore A equals C, but I think it more or less fits the basic structure of a syllogism and will help us to understand and dismantle the argument. In this syllogism I made, I am more or less using C to explain how in their argument A and B are equal, instead of the normal syllogism where B is the transition between A and C to show that A and C are equal, but you get the point. So let's look at A and B and see if there is a category error. If the terms used in both A and B are not in fact being used in the same sense, then C is wrong because A and B are not equivalent. So first let's look at A. God forgives our debt to him. This is of course true, but I want to make sure we word it properly. God forgives our sin debt to him. Let's take a few moments to go over the gospel to help see the equivocation and category error in comparing the gospel to forgiving monetary debt. We are all sinners who have rebelled against God. He commands perfection from us, and he is perfect, and we are his image bearers. But we fall short of that perfection and sin against God again, and again, and again. Because God is holy and righteous, he cannot just let sin go free. It must be punished. But God is good. God is a good God, so therefore, he'll let us go free, you say. Precisely, God is a good God, and that is why he must punish sin, because his goodness cannot be divorced from his righteousness and holiness and justice otherwise he would no longer be good what would you think of a judge in a human court who let every criminal go free because he is quote unquote a good judge whether it is a small thief or someone who committed great crimes that under biblical law warrant the death penalty this judge lets everyone go because he says he is a good man and a good judge and That is what good judges do. They let people go free. You know that this would be absurd, and that judge is as crooked as the men and women he lets go free. He should be cellmates with the criminals he unjustly pardons. Not that I am in favor of prisons. But we'll cover jail, prison, and theonomy in another episode. But I ask you, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Will God, who is much more just, who is perfect, and who knows everything, will he not be a better judge than a human judge in a human court? Will not the judge of all the earth do right? Of course, God will do what is righteous and good, which means he must punish sin, but not just punish sin excluded from the sinner. We don't throw crime into prison. We throw the prisoner who committed the crime into prison. In the same way, God must punish the sinner or he would no longer be good and righteous and just. But God is also loving and he is glorified by showing his grace by forgiving sinners. That is why our debt of sin to God is forgiven only by having someone else pay it. That someone else is Jesus Christ. The second person of the Trinity, who took on flesh, becoming truly God and truly man. Christ had to be truly man to die as a man and atone for mankind. But he had to be truly God to be able to bear God's wrath for all the elect and rise again. So God forgives us because God, particularly the second person of the Trinity, paid our debt. That sin debt still had to be paid. God didn't just make it go poof and disappear, as if it had never been. God the Son, not God the Father, and not God the Holy Spirit, but Jesus, God the Son, paid our debt as the wrath of God was poured out on him on the cross. How well does that correlate to student loan forgiveness? Now this gets into the B from the line of argumentation I explained a few moments ago. People made, in some cases, smart decisions going into calculated debt because the payout would more than make up for the lost time in college and the cost of tuition, plus room and board, plus interest on the loan while paying it off. Other people, and these days this is probably the majority, made poor decisions because the payout was not as good as they thought it was, or they weren't even thinking about down the road, they were just Thinking about, you know, going to college is the right thing to do, and uh, they made little to no future calculations. Either way, though these are very different categories, the first one being understandable and the latter being a foolish decision, both of them, if they have not yet paid off all of their debt, will receive $10,000 or, in some instances, $20,000 from the federal government to pay off their tuition. So far, I can see how the two may seem similar. We did really stupid stuff that we shouldn't have, and we get forgiven for it. But hold on. In the gospel, our debt is against God, and God makes the way for forgiveness and restoration and peace with him. God pays the debt of sin we owe him. With student loan forgiveness, the government pays part of your debt, Only the entire thing if you have under the $10,000 or in some cases $20,000 left. The government only gets money from taxation or from the hidden flat tax of inflation by new currency creation above what would equal growth in GDP. So the gospel is a total and complete forgiveness where God himself pays your debt to himself. God is both the one to whom the debt is owed and the one who pays the debt. But student loan forgiveness is the government taking money from other people to pay off part of your debt. Only for some people, it is a complete forgiveness of debt. Not for everyone, only for some. Did you hear the difference? One is a complete forgiveness where the one owed the debt pays it for you. But the other is a partial forgiveness where others, most of whom you don't know and will never meet, are forced to pay your debt for you. The only time when the partial forgiveness of the government is complete forgiveness is if your debt is lower than someone else's. To compare that to Jesus' atonement in the gospel is to say that Jesus got a better deal on some of us than he did on others, which is horribly wrong. There are no choice meats. Jesus didn't have less of a price to pay for some of the elect than he did for others of the elect. To compare the gospel with student loan forgiveness and say they are the same is to fail to understand the gospel. Let me say that again. To compare the gospel with student loan forgiveness and say they are the same is to fail to understand the gospel. Also, God forgives us in the gospel because it glorifies him to do so and because he loves us. God doesn't forgive our debt two and a half months before an election in order to try to get some political sway to help him do better in the next election for God. Because, let's be honest, that is probably why the student loan forgiveness was announced in this political time. The reason is several months before the election instead of several weeks is probably because they want enough time for the checks to start hitting people's debt before the election takes place. And also to catch people who vote early by mail-in ballot. So there is no way in which we can come to line C and say that the gospel and student loan forgiveness are the same. To respond to the second argument I said at the beginning of this episode about a uh, people using one of the statements Jesus says in what's called the Lord's Prayer to justify student loan forgiveness when Jesus tells us to pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. To use that to say that therefore student loan forgiveness is biblical because we must forgive our debtors, that is equivocation. Just as I already said in this podcast that all of these lines of argument are equivocation. When Jesus giving us an example of prayer teaches us to pray to God to forgive us our debts, Jesus is referring to our debt of sin to God. Jesus would be equivocating and jumping logical ships if he, in the very next line, in the very same sentence, compares that to our forgiving of financial debts others owe to us. This is teaching that we forgive others when they sin against us. That's what Jesus is getting at there. Because God has forgiven us, now we are willing to forgive others their transgressions against us as God has already forgiven our transgressions against him. Any argument for or against student loan forgiveness cannot use this verse for support. But don't just hear me out on this. Let's look at what John Calvin has to say on this very verse. Calvin writes, This condition is added, that no one may presume to approach God and ask for forgiveness, who is not pure and free from all resentment. And yet the forgiveness which we ask that God would give us does not depend on the forgiveness which we grant to others, but the design of Christ was to exhort us in this manner to forgive the offenses which have been committed against us, and at the same time to give, as it were, the impression of his seal, to ratify the confidence in our own forgiveness. Dropping down a little bit to the end of that paragraph, Calvin says, The name debtors is here given, not to those who owe us money or any other service, but to those who are indebted to us on account of offenses which they have committed. Now to reply to the third argument I listed, at the beginning of this episode, President Biden didn't forgive our debt like Jesus did. Biden forced others to pay our debt at the threat of prison, whereas Jesus paid our debt willingly of his own accord. And yeah, I know that's redundant, but I really wanted to stress that. Jesus paid it himself willingly. Jesus canceled our debt by paying the bill himself in its entirety. Biden didn't cancel our debt. He just forced everyone else to pay the price. So he and his political party get all the benefits of looking nice while forcing everyone else to share the cost with them. But since everyone else doesn't have as much money as these big politicians, the cost is a lot harder on them than it is on the politicians. So Biden didn't cancel our debt like Jesus did in any way. And to claim so, is not just wrong, but blasphemous. To respond to the fourth argument, the one about taking the Bible literally when it talks about a speaking snake, a talking serpent, but to take it metaphorically when it talks about forgiving debt, I take every single Bible verse literally. Now, before you go off on some other tangent or rebuttal, because I said that, reading the Bible literally means I read a metaphor as a metaphor or an expression as an expression. If I come home from work and I say to my wife, thank you for making dinner, I'm starving. She is interpreting that literally when she knows I am not literally starving to death, just very hungry. And I am using the word starving as an expression. But to respond to the argument, I do take the Bible literally. When Scripture tells me that Satan took the form of a serpent and spoke to Eve, I believe every word of it. When Scripture teaches me about financial debts, I believe every word of it. When the Bible tells me that stealing is wrong, even when the government does it, I believe every word of that as well. Because I take all of that literally, and use scripture as my sole foundation for all matters of weight and importance, because I take scripture as my epistemological foundation, I oppose the direction that college education in America has gone, the loans that take advantage of young people making foolish and uncalculated risk, and I also oppose the government forcing taxpayers to pay for other people's mistakes. The lender has the right to forgive part or all of the debt his debtor owes to him. And if he did not sin against God and how he became a lender to the other person, and he honors God's laws on debt, he has no obligation to give any breaks to his debtor. Any breaks he gives are out of his own kindness, not out of obligation. No one else has the authority to force that person to forgive debt and pay for it with a third party's money. God didn't do that when he forgives our sin and he gives us no basis in scripture, and much to the contrary, for doing such a thing. Now, to make this practical, Christianity should lead us to be wise in our dealings in the world. Christianity should lead us to steward our resources well and take calculated risks. Not that we are never to take risk, just that we are not to take foolish risk. This applies to many things, including student loans for college. Now if you have taken foolish risk or you took calculated risk and it turned out poorly, your Christian faith should lead you to own up to your debts, whether financial or some sort of non-financial obligation you have to others. You may ask your lender To help you but he has no obligation to do so if you messed up as a Christian you should own up to it and try to make the situation right if you didn't mess up you just took calculated risk that didn't turn out well and it was outside of your control you knew that was a possibility when you took the calculated risk you should still own up to whatever obligations to others you now have in the gospel, our debt of sin to God is paid for, but that doesn't annul God's laws about responsibility and repayment of debt and punishment for crime. The last one for those who would argue that we should be forgiven of any crime we committed as an unbeliever after we come to faith. So that is why I am a Christian and believe the gospel, but also oppose the student loan relief being rolled out right now, and I am perfectly consistent for doing so. That was this week's episode of Theana Money. As we go, I want to remind everyone that the law of the Lord is perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true. So go apply that law in light of the gospel of Christ's atoning death and resurrection to every area of life. Grace and peace, friends.